From WXXI News, this is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Our connection this hour was made with dynamic duos. Chocolate and peanut butter, maybe tacos and Tuesdays, Thelma and Louise. Well, maybe not the ending of Thelma and Louise. Maybe. I mean, it's iconic. But anyway, when it comes to duos, one part of the pair complements the other, of course. And so together, unstoppable combinations. Unless it's, again, Thelma and Louise stopped by the cliff. But... I'm just giving away movies. When's it, when? How long is a spoiler alert still a spoiler alert? Look, we don't need to be dark on this Friday. Uh, there's been a lot going on in the world, and we've been covering all kinds of things this week. Frankly, for the last, it feels like every week of this year since the calendar turn has been kind of heavy. And one of the great pleasures of hosting this program is once a month we get to hang out with the team from City. We get to kind of preview and review and talk about what they're covering, talk about why they're... Um, taking themes on and where they're looking throughout our community and bringing great stories to us. And, and I just love doing it. And it's, uh, it's always sort of a great reset and a refresh for us. So kudos and cheers to the team from city and Leah Stacy and Ryan Williamson are here. Leah's editor in chief of city. Thank you for being back with us. Thanks for having me. Ryan Williamson, director of strategy and operations for city. Welcome to you. My pleasure. Becca Rafferty, arts writer for city for like five more minutes. No. <laughs> For how much longer? Through the end of the month. Oh, through the end of this month. <laughs> yeah. Hey, welcome. This is kind of weird and sad. I know. <laughs> I feel the same way. We're going to do like a This Is Your Life show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Becca is here. A chunk, and I, a chunk and of it. <laughs> we're going to be talking to people um, as we go throughout this hour. Um, we're going to talk to Kat Sue and Adam Scheffler, who are featured in here, and we'll welcome them in just a moment here. Um, let me just start by asking Leah Stacy about a concept here. And, um, you know, we've talked different concepts, different months before. Are you a hopeless romantic, it turns out? Oh, you're not <laughs> supposed to say it on the air. You're blowing up my spot. Um, I Yes and no. Or are you like a dark cynic? It depends on the day. I know. Yeah, but I think, like, every hopeless romantic might be a dark cynic. Mm. It's It's layers. Yeah. Um, what are you today? <laughs> uh, is the sun out? No. I'm a dark cynic. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, this this week is always like a little bit of an eye roll, right? But that was part of what inspired our theme um, because we didn't want to do something too cliche. But we did want to take that as a springboard, you know, like the – oh, we could have done one about couples and love and chocolate and all that stuff. But we're like – what about the duos that are non-romantic? What and and beyond? Um, what about things that work really well together? So Kat will talk about this, but you know she's part of a, a series of stories that was uh, food and beverage businesses working in the same spaces to be able to afford having that brick and mortar to get that start to play off of each other's reputations and um, sort of audiences in the community to build. So we kind of got creative with this one. But um, I do love a good love story. Yeah, and and you know it's interesting. It's Valentine's week is the week that I'm reading all these reviews of a new book about a poly marriage and or an open marriage, and it just that's a big conversation. I know right the now. author seems miserable on it too. I'm like, <laughs> boy, that's a whole other show. That is a whole other show. I'm not saying all poly people are miserable. Like Please don't don't say that um, I said that. No, I'm just saying the author of this book seems miserable. Yeah, and I think we. There's something to be said of like we get a little bit of love fatigue in February. Mm -hmm. Like it's just all over the media, right? So every like um, newsletter that I'm subscribed to this week, like it was just a little bit on the nose. And I, I again like love a good love story. I hate to repeat the same word in the same sentence like I just did, <laughs> but we just we wanted to do a different take on it. There are so many beautiful partnerships in life that we have. Um, I was having this conversation with a friend the other day. She said her her dad once told her that some of your greatest soulmates and the people who will stay with you the longest will not be your romantic partners. And I think sometimes they are your work partners or, you know, business partners or creative partners. Yeah. And we all probably have someone like that in our lives, if not more than one person. So that's what we really try to do with this issue is show, like, how how is that happening in our community, our cultural community? And I think we told some really excellent stories. Very proud of the team, as always. I also am going to blow up Ryan's spot. It's his birthday. Today? All day. All day. All day. <laughs> <laughs> that's how birthdays work. That is, yeah. 24 yeah. hours. Happy, all mine. Happy birthday. Thank you. He's finally 30. Yep. 
30. Are you literally today. 30 today? What do you think? If you no. had to guess. No. No. I was much say, younger. <laughs> I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. 42. 42? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Still Fel- going. Fellow 40s travelers. Thanks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, happy birthday to Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, a couple other points to Leah that kind of come to, to mind for me. I think there's something really smart about looking for really powerful and lasting relationships that don't necessarily have a romantic component. And I listened to a really good conversation on Ezra Klein's podcast this week about relationships and about the fact that the modern structure of relationship, like one person, one person, and like you build a home together and you just live like that's it, is very modern throughout Mm -hmm. history. It's not Mm -hmm. uh, a historical norm uh, or even a historical average. It is very much a modern invention. It's not clear that it's... um, the best way to do it, I guess, historically. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, it works for some people. It hasn't worked for others. But there's also this idea that Ezra talks about having the closest relationship in his, li- in his life is his best friend, a male, back in on the East Coast. He's on the West Coast now. Yeah. But he said moving away was as hard as anything he's gone through. And describing it to people, people were like, but it's not a romantic relationship. And oh, he's my like, God. Yeah, and he's like, you know, you don't understand how close we are. no. And that's like, I mean, you read about like losing a friend can be more devastating sometimes than losing a romantic partner. So, yeah, yeah, these partnerships are what make our life really like more richly layered and beautiful. So we yeah. we only tap the surface in this issue, but I think that's a really important conversation. Well, then the other like the 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 other sort of interesting dovetailing component here is this is a time where it's been obviously hard for a lot of businesses since the pandemic. And we'll talk about that. It's hard in general for businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and for creators and mm-hmm. for people in the art scene. And, um, but when you can leverage different skills together mm-hmm. in a way that is like, I could be really corporate and be like synergistic or symbiotic. But, but, but seriously, I mean, like, yeah, of it, course. It, it really the buzzwords. Is, it's really smart to yeah. do it that way, especially now, it seems, right? Well, I think there's somebody in studio who can tell you better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to get to Kat in just a moment. Kat wants to kind of take the day off here. Catch it. Um, and Becca wrote this great story. Ryan Williamson, um, because it is your birthday, I'll just ask you, um, how did you feel about this this concept issue here? I love it. I think it's great. Um, I love the idea, like Leah said, to not just do the typical, you know, Hallmark card holiday celebration thing with chocolates and candies. And we kind of took a, an alternative take on it, which is like what we like to do. So that's really great. Um, I love the partnerships. Very creative way of approaching it. So, and it's been well received. I've heard from a lot of people that just really like the issue. We also love the cover. The cover is oh, great. Which Ryan chose really last minute, honestly. Um, and I, yeah, and I can't take credit. It's a great photo by Abby Quattro featuring Abby Quattro. And, and her actual partner. Wait, wait. Abby took yeah. this took photo? The photo. She, yeah, she set up the whole thing, styled it. Yeah. And then got in the photo, which we love. <laughs> we love yep. an immersive creator. I just I love the way she's looking, and this is really great radio content because it's very visual. But um, I love the way she's looking at the burger, like, and she's kind of not not ignoring Ian, her partner, but she's like the true love of her life. Tell, is this burger? And she would a hundred percent be like, yes, yes, I, yeah. I will drop you in a minute if I can just make, marry this. No, burger. right, right. This is literally a radio show, and we're talking about the cover of a magazine. But I will say. It'll be easy to spot because they are offensively good-looking people, uh, and they look great. It's a great cover. Um, we'll dig into that coming up here. Becca Rafferty, um, I want to ask you about this. Can we start with the story, and then can we talk a little bit about um, the sad stuff, winding it down here? Do you mind? <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, because uh, we have with us in studio, uh, we have Kat Sue, who is uh, right down the road from us. And um, Kat, welcome, by the way. It's great Thank to have you, you here with very us in the studio. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Um, Kat and her team over there made a lot of us very, very happy because when I started 10 years ago, there was Fina's Coffee, um, a kind of a High Falls institution, cl- closed during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. and when it closed, it was like, oh, no, <laughs> what are we going to do here? And then I didn't even know that you opened in November over there. So I was like a late – I th- somebody mentioned December. They're like, did you know that there's like there's like a new Fina's? I'm like, what? And I had a friend coming over to High Falls to have coffee there. And I'm like, where are you going? He's like, right down the road. I'm like, what? It's open. It's open now. They don't and, let him out of the studio. And uh, <laughs> so, Kat, do you want to tell us uh, about what it is that you and 
the great crew over there is doing at Happy Gut Sanctuary, um, what the concept is, and then we're going to talk to Becca about the story. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so I own Happy Gut Sanctuary. Um, we moved from uh, the Hungerford on East Main Street, and we moved in with our friends at Rock City Ramen. Um, so we basically provide the beverage side of things. You know, we're known for our tea ferments or, or kombucha. Um, we were able to expand into coffee and tea when we were at the Hungerford, so we brought that over with us. And then um, the space allows for a kitchen. So um, Rock City Ramen, Michael and his team, you know, are sling ramen and, and more. Um, and that's something they've been doing for years. So it's a really nice collab of I focus on what I do best and Michael focus on what he does best and, you it, know, feed the, feed the neighborhood. It's a beautiful space. Thank you. Um, and there's a great picture in the magazine. You can see some of the space there. Um, and Kat, I was reading in the piece that um, I think the owner of the space wanted a, a food or a restaurant component there. Is that yeah. the, that's what they were looking for? Yeah, I think it's really to, to you know, plug in with where Fina's, you know, left off was to, to make sure that the workers in the area still had a food option. Because um, from what I heard from, you know, our customers and stuff, they were, you know, everyone's stoked that we're there. And it seemed like, you know, when Fina's left there, they didn't have a whole lot of food options. So we were really happy to be able to, to do that. Um, but also still have the focus be on Michael's Japanese fare because, you know, that's what he does best. So. And, and the, the piece um, really does a nice job of giving you some of his story there. It, it's a, yeah. Obviously, it's a great partnership. It's, it's working really well so far. Are you happy? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had my uh, reservations going into to this partnership. You know, it's, it's a lot for two businesses to go in and share a space and kind of be on top of each other. But Michael and I have known each other for the better part of seven years. Um, so, so far so good. We're, you know, we communicate, you know, everything, talk about everything, you know, our hours, how that's affecting our two teams and all of that. So it's been, it's been smooth. Um, you were in Hungerford before you said, mm -hmm. and a week ago when it was like 60 degrees, <laughs> producer Megan Mack and I went over and got some coffee, mm -hmm. took a little walk, looked at the still not complete Pontarun Bridge, which oh, it's one, one of my favorite places in Rochester. And it's like, come on. Yeah. Uh, but I also just love High Falls. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you feel about being here. I cannot believe sometimes how quiet High Falls is and, and still how, in my view, underutilized it is. Mm -hmm. It is one of the truly lovely, walkable districts, great features. It's one of the happiest places to be. Yeah. And and maybe it's it's on a path to a little more vibrancy, a little more activity. It's been head ups and downs in the past. I know they tried to make a business or a night entertainment district. Didn't really work here mm -hmm. 20, 25 years ago. But but what is it like for you being down here? I, you know, I moved to Rochester in 2007 for to go to RIT. And then at some point discovered High Falls because of a club that used to be here. Actually, literally, literally across the, the hallway from us now in the same building. Um, so I used to go to Tribeca. <laughs> um, but I've always loved this neighborhood. It's beautiful. It's historic. And I also would love to see more small businesses, more storefronts. Um, you know, we've been working on the space since summer of last year. And so my partner and I have been in this neighborhood all hours of the day into like middle of the night, midday on a Monday. And it seems like there's always people pulling in and checking the neighborhood out, you know, people who aren't from here coming here to to admire High Falls. Mm -hmm. um, and it definitely seemed like there is something lacking to keep these tourists or, or visitors kind of in the neighborhood to, to either dine a coffee shop to sit down and have for coffee sure. yes so i would love to see as the bridge gets renovated and the state park gets built up to you know see more small businesses here yeah what we're talking about with with cat is right down the road from us i mean it's a minute walk from wxxi it's right in the heart of high falls and I, for sure when i would talk to people in the last few years about like coming down like, like well where can you get coffee right i mean so that's central coffee or tea or something in the afternoon a, mm -hmm. a hot drink you can hold in your hand 
that's central. What else do you want to see in this in this district in this neighborhood? I mean, well, I would love to see the vacant spaces filled up. You know, some some local businesses for sure. Um, it took us about a year to find our new home now, and the market out there is insane. Landlords Expensive. are asking for a lot from small businesses, not mm. realizing, you know, we're not working with a whole lot. So I would love to see small businesses in the neighborhood. I think they would thrive. Um, yeah, I was really excited to, you know, be moving in with Rachel Clay down the street. You know, we've talked about, you know, putting on markets, having artisan markets, summer markets. Um and that's that's something I really love to do, um, and I would still love to to figure that out for the neighborhood, for our customers. I wouldn't be surprised, Becca Rafferty, if um, these kind of changes that Cat brings is a catalyst for more. Honestly, it's hard to do, it's hard to convince people to do anything in neighborhoods that don't have a coffee shop, and it's not just a coffee <laughs> shop. I hope that's obvious, but. You got to be able to get coffee somewhere, right? Yeah, I, that's I mean, what I think. we, I can probably speak for our whole staff that we were kind of suffering, kind of suffering the past <laughs> few years. Yeah, here, it's been tough. Um, <laughs> since Pina's left. Yeah. Um, and I, I was stoked to see not just a, a, a restaurant and a coffee shop or a coffee option go in, but obviously this, these two businesses in particular, I was uh, fond of and before the fact and, and stoked to see it. And now I'm. I'm going to have to find reasons to come back. <laughs> not I'm, I'm not going to be in-house all the time here. But, um, yeah, so shall I launch into the story? Yeah, uh, I want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Why, why don't you tell us so more about the story? It's a, the Partnership Perks is a three-parter, and it, it spotlights um, three different food or beverage-based be- businesses that have partnered with other businesses. Two, other, um, two of them are, are restaurants, and one of them is, is a florist. So um, Winter Swan in Stacy K. Floral, um, obviously Cat's uh, 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 Business, um, Happy Gut Sanctuary, in, uh, and Rock City Ramen together, and um, uh, Public Provisions at Flower City Bread at the Public Market. Um, so it's a spotlight on not necessarily brand new businesses, but uh, partnerships that have popped up in the past six months that we wanted to say, you know, this is, for whatever reasons, this is working out for them. Um, some of the business owners had a, a really beautiful rapport before going into business together. And um, some of them, it just, it made sense. As with the case with um, Stacey K. Floral, Stacey said that she was interested in having a coffee shop in-house. And it's it's really a lovely addition if, um, as I mentioned, like if you're going to get your your bridal uh, consultation and there's a place to sit down and have a, a lovely uh, beverage and, and uh, consult with friends, there's also just this beautiful oasis in the sort of winter garden um, uh, environment in that building packed with uh, plants that it's a great place to just stop and, and get a cup of coffee. You've been a, a ramen fan for a while? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So, I mean, when you describe Happy Gut Sanctuary, do you tell people, like, do you tell them it's a coffee shop? Do you tell them, like, it's where to go get great ramen? Like, like what do you say? Um, well, I, I, I honestly... Um, I'm I'm praising the it was a cutlet that I had a, a few weeks ago. They had a special with a chicken cutlet that was on top of a rice bowl, and um, but also the 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 tea ferments are just fantastic, you know, so um, uh, uh, original and and flavorful. Well, let's talk about a little bit more about the menu because I don't want to pigeonhole you as a coffee shop. I just want people to know there's great coffee there. I appreciate that, <laughs> and, there, and there is, um, you know. So for me, like after. Two o'clock hits. I need that afternoon coffee sometimes. Mm-hmm. So now it's nice and I just wander right down the road uh, to Sanctuary, go in there, get a great coffee. And Kat has kind of steered me to some pretty good pastries that like actually ridiculously good cookies. Oh, my God, yeah. Ridiculous. So one was a miso chocolate chip, if I'm remembering there. Mm-hmm. And then um, producer Megan Mac, what did you have? A white chocolate chip, a white chocolate. Ube, uh, probably. Ube. Yeah. Which is what? Uh, so it's it's a root vegetable um, that is used a lot in Southeast Asian cooking cuisine. Um, so I have to shout out So Belly Happy. Um, she is the local baker who provides all of all of the Asian um, inspired like cookies and Rice Krispie treats. Um, Maita uh, actually started her business um, 
with with everything being nut free as like the main focus because of her kids. Mm -hmm. Um, So and she's been making all of these Asian inspired flavors for us. Like she even, you know, keeps her eye out when we launched our red bean milk this week. She decided to make a red bean um, cookie to go with it or like a golden milk cookie to go with our golden milk um, beverage. So uh, she's amazing. And all her baked goods are so good. Do you have to prod some customers who are just used to a chocolate chip cookie? Like go like, oh, yeah, a miso chocolate chip or an ube white chocolate. The nice thing about carrying the things I carry, like they're all things that I eat and things that my team have had and we all like really stand behind the things that we carry. So it's really easy for anyone from my team to to sell something or like a lot of it is just this is interesting like let me let me get one and try it and and then they get hooked so it's we don't even have to sell it that hard sometimes it's like what is ube and then we kind of explain it or what is pandan or pandan and like we explain that um but overall people have been really receptive to these more like foreign flavors that they might not have ever tried which is great. I'm literally going there in 35 minutes. <laughs> um, but now let, let's talk about the fact, though, that you know you've you've got some of Becca's favorite food. You've got great food there. Mm-hmm. Do you have, did you mention something too, Ryan, to eat over there? Uh, there was like a matcha crinkle cut cookie, but I will say that <laughs> the first time I ever went in, I'm I'm not the biggest um, kombucha fermented fan. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember meeting Kat and asking, like, can you recommend something that's maybe not too intense? And you hooked me up. It was, like, perfectly um, kind of fizzy but not super intense flavor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, super helpful with that. Yeah, we get that a lot. That, you know, I don't know how I feel about kombucha or, you know, I'm not generally a big fan of kombucha. And so usually when we get that, it's like, well, would you like to try some? Because if you if you're done with kombucha, then we won't force you but like if you want to try something new or give like our flavors a try we freely offer samples it's just easier you know you can have a sip if you don't like it that's fine if you like it though like let's talk about all these other flavors that we do so well a couple other points here and then what we'll do is we'll get some of our guests out the door here on this Friday (laughs) afternoon and we'll talk about what else is in this month's city Um, what is is there a most popular food item that's that's moving right now oh my Food item, I mean, Michael's ramen are solid. Uh, you know, the spicy miso and tokotsu. Uh, my favorite, shoyu, I've been eating that since I've, you know, discovered Rock City ramen. That's still my go-to. Um, but his gyoza, so his Japanese pan-fried um, dumplings, those are his mom's recipe. So um, his mom is Japanese, and he takes a lot of... Um, you know, his mom's cooking, her recipes, her uh, guidance on a lot of his dishes. But his gyozas are so good. Well, I hope this is a long, happy partnership. I hope so, too. It keeps you there. It is It is just such a pleasure to be in the neighborhood with you. And um, I thought it was a, just a, a lovely piece and in, in city. So yeah. thanks for being here, Kat. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for writing about us. It was a wonderful article. Also, shout out to the photographer because the pictures were amazing. Uh, Mike Martinez. There you go. Mike Martinez. Thank you, Mike. Great stuff. We're going to let Kat go because is this your – do you get Fridays off? It's a very recent thing and maybe just this week. <laughs> we're, we're still trying to figure out work-life balance here, you know, six, seven years into owning a business. Here I thought it was easy. Well, Kat will just walk down the street to XXI. You're off today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Good luck me. to you. It's really, really great stuff. Thank you. Um, so we'll let Kat go. And let me just kind of turn to Becca because I, I can't let you go here without saying, you know, your, your career has been how long at City now? 16 years. 16 years. You've seen a lot of change. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, you know, the other piece that I wrote in this this, uh, February issue was on the incoming director of the Memorial Art Gallery, Sarah Jesse. And I was just thinking, like, this is my third director at the MAG, Um, (laughs) from from Grant Holcomb to uh, Jonathan and now Sarah Jesse. So yeah, it's um, it's been a long time, a lot of change, rolling rolling with the media landscape punches. What's next for you? So I'm going to be the gift officer at Writers and Books. Uh, be heading up their development efforts there. And how are 
how are things? I mean, like, you know, parting is sweet sorrow here. Uh, how are you feeling? I am already feeling FOMO. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm already um, thinking about not being on the, the Teams chats and, and morning meetings and, um, you know, not having the inside uh, scoop on what everyone's doing and, mm. and having to, to wait like the rest of the listeners and readers <laughs> to see what's coming. Well, there's a lot of hard choices people make, but I mean, I think honestly you're making a mistake. <laughs> Time will tell them. Oh, I, we love you here. Um, and uh, I know you're going to be reading and we'll be talking to you because you're down at Writer's Books, which is an institution. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be leaving here for, for anything less. Do you look back at this career and does are you the type of person who was like, oh, I can think of this piece or this that stood out? Or do you think like 16 years is phenomenal blurs together? I mean, it's a little bit of both. Like, there's definitely standout moments where I had a more challenging or exciting time, um, and I can get into some of those. But, but all in all, I think you know I'm really proud of the work that we've done to uh, boost the arts scene at at every level. You know, not just the big institutions, but the little guys, and paying attention to emerging artists and spotlighting. Um, the small places that are giving, uh, you know, artists at the beginning of their careers a leg up and really paying attention to that, that, that whole, you know, 360 uh, landscape of the arts. Um, there's definitely been um, challenging moments. Uh, I was just thinking this morning about the, the Tom Otternis piece that we wrote when mm -hmm. the Memorial Art mm -hmm. Gallery was expanding its, um, its uh, sculpture park and the controversy about, about those sculptures going in and and the challenge of writing that piece and the, you know, I had um, people from all sides a little peeved with me um, about that, <laughs> that piece. Um, do you recall the, the Tom Modernist? I certainly yeah. do. Yeah. It's got some, I don't even know how much, how specific we want to get for listeners who don't remember because some of the themes were quite dark Yeah. and people were quite upset. Well, yeah. I mean, the sculpture itself is, it's a really uplifting message, but he, in his early career, made a, a grave misstep with an artwork that he did and was not forgiven by um, some animal rights activists and, and folks who heard about the, the artwork afterward. And um, this, this I, I would argue, mistake um, that he made has followed him and, and, lost him some work in, in different cities. So we wrote about, not about his, his misdeed, but about the community's reaction to the artwork going in and who has the right to make decisions over what goes in public space, even though it's on um, the Memorial Art Gallery's grounds. Um, and, you know, it was an interesting conversation about what goes in public space and what, who, who, who makes those decisions. Yeah, I, I do remember that controversy. And it actually reflects even more resonantly now because we're in an era where there's almost this gleeful nature that some have, and I think social media and online spheres encourage it, where it's like someone makes a mistake, even a big mistake. It's like they shall never be allowed to be forgiven or grow or show real remorse or try to rebuild. Um I'm debating whether I want to. I'm not even going to mention what is on my mind right now because I don't want to get emails. But I, yeah. I know. But I can think of so many things where it's like people get gleeful about tearing somebody down for a mistake they made, and sometimes they deserve a lot of opprobrium. But and I don't know what the artist, how much growth you've seen in this particular artist, Adonis. But I am a person who would like to not only live like be known for the mistakes I've made. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I my personal opinions aside about about him, I, I you know, he has made efforts to atone and um, he's made donations to, you know, um, animal rights organizations, that that sort of thing. But I think the wider conversation is really interesting because it's it we tend to also focus a whole lot on the misdeeds of artists and mm. whether or not mm -hmm. we're allowed to enjoy uh, the fruits of their labors, whether or not we can separate their work from them as human beings. Um, and that's that's an ongoing conversation, you know? Um, do you cancel the artists and then do you also cancel the people who still enjoy the art? Um, we're still grappling with that, I think. I know Leah Stacey's got a role in a minute here. So can I just ask you, you know, I mean, like, change is very normal in journalism. Change is normal in magazines. Oh, yeah, I think it's expected. This is a, this is a big change, though. Mm-hmm. Well, and I haven't even been here a year, but 
uh, Becca and I have had the chance to collaborate because I was also a longtime city freelancer. Um, and and so we've known each other for a long time. And I would say even I pitched her things when I was on the PR side. Um, we have certainly I we must go back at least a decade. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, she it's very, very likely that her name is still going to show up as a byline. We would really like her to keep freelancing for us. But, you know, anytime you start a new job, you got to figure out how's this affecting my life? So we're going to give her space to do that. But um, I think readers can look forward to her byline again. Um, We hope so. And it's been, I I haven't even been here a year yet, but, um, you know, for me working with Becca on the death issue in October, which was really her concept and she had been wanting to do it for a long time and just feel like that was such a powerful issue. That's going to always stand out in my mind as like, one of our really great collaborations while I've been here and just the feedback we got on that article, especially about the death doulas was just um, wonderful. And she's a great writer. And as I told her, no one knows the visual arts community like she does because she's been embedded in it for so long and people really respect her work and um, go to her with things like tips and, and stories and things they're excited about. So um, I, it's Rochester. We keep our relationships here, and um, it's one of the great things about this city. It's also one of the stressful things about this city. But in this case, mm. it's a great thing, and um, Becca will always be a part of city in some way. Right. How long have you been at city? Nine years in April. Yeah. So what does this change mean for the magazine, you think? Um, it's really tough because, you know, I hear in the community at our events and just talking with you know, readers, they know Becca, you know, they know your, your name and your beat very much. So they, um, I think they associate you with us. I hope that they know that we're going to still keep doing, you know, arts coverage as much as we can, as long as Becca keeps forwarding us or when people reach out to her and say, Hey, I got a story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we, we, we definitely are in talks about freelancing and, and I'd love to still have a byline with city. I love city. I love what this team is doing. And, um, you know, it's not to like get too sentimental, but it's this was it's a tough decision to to change careers and to to move on. But I, I, I would say it's not not least of which like very difficult because I've enjoyed this particular team and working with Leah. Leah's leadership has brought a lot of fun, um, a lot of new voices to the magazine, which I think is it's so extremely important but i'm i'm not going anywhere i'm still going to be attending arts events i'm going to be out there guys so you'll see me can you hang around through the break yeah let's take this only break of the hour we're going to come back with the team from city um it's our our monthly kind of preview and review of uh, the great work that city magazine does and we'll come right back next I'm Evan Dawson, host of Connections. On Monday, we have special national programming for you. In the first hour, it's Witness Black History Month from the BBC World Service. In our second hour, we bring you Selected Shorts, a celebration of Langston Hughes. This special hour celebrates the literary master and social activist, and we're gonna hear some of Hughes' work performed. It's coming up Monday. This is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Ryan Williamson, Rebecca Rafferty from City Magazine with us. Um, and Becca, at the end of this month, is um, heading on to Writers and Books. Um, but you just heard Rebecca mention that certainly hopes to keep contributing to City. It's been 16 years. And I have to say, when I, you know, when we kind of first linked up with you guys at City, your names, I, I was sort of intimidated to work with you because I thought, you have so much knowledge and history in the community and one thing that I always try to do is be as credible as possible when we talk about anything. But you guys go deep, you know, and you have a long, long history there, and especially in the arts community. And we've talked on this program for years about what it means to be an arts community. What do you think the answer to that is? What is an arts town? Well, um, I mean, I think that it's a complicated question because the arts – exist. The artists are doing their thing. And we're certainly in a, in a position of um, transition where we're starting to see more fiscal support from governmental levels. They're starting to, as we've been saying a few times, you know, put the money where their mouth is saying this is a city of the arts, this is it a city for the arts. Um, the, the, we have a really vibrant 
arts community. We have a very supportive arts community, um, even on the tiniest levels. Um, yeah, sorry, I, I'm, <laughs> I have so many thoughts about this. Um, I think the, the first part of your question, what it, what it means to be sort of in, embedded in it, is um, just sort of just get showing up, you know, going and seeing what's happening and, and um, not just going to the shows, but doing studio visits, getting to know artists as they're working and, and valuing art as labor. That's something that we've always really believed in. And, and I think that it's, we've also at City and now with WXXI been in a privileged, privileged position as reporters where our work as arts reporters has been valued in a time where it's, you know, that's that's gone away from so many newsrooms over the past decade, the past 20 years. Um, arts reporting has been gutted on on local levels. Um, so I'll stop there. Do you think that we uh, I don't like to like create this bifurcated world where like there's arch towns and non arts towns. But do we earn, have we earned that label? Are we an arts city an arts town? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it you can see it everywhere, you know, and I'm I'm definitely a, a proponent of of seeing the value in things like street art seeing the value in things like alt spaces when you go into cafes and restaurants and coffee shops and you see those um owners you know yes they're getting free decor that that changes over every so often but they're they're showing local artists and we've got restaurants who are showing uh, they they hire uh, local artists to do murals um, you have artists who do free things and, and put them on the street, um, thinking of uh, John Magnus Champon. You know, it, it's uh, we've we've got uh, small organizations that create um, collaborative efforts like Rochester Contemporary leading uh, First Fridays and making sure that that small spaces are on the radar um, and, and emerging artists at those small spaces are on the radar. Um so I guess I'm I'm searching for the the root of the question is is it is it that the arts exist or that there's support for the arts? Well, actually, your answer is pretty revealing to me because I understand why when we think about any city's art scene, the mainstream attention might go to its biggest theater, its whatever the the most well funded or well known aspects of it, and I'm not denigrating that. That's what's the most visible. It might get the most traffic. And every, every city probably needs venues of different size, museums and theaters, et cetera. But what you're describing is the dirt under the fingernails, appreciating art as labor and seeing it everywhere and, and seeing it supported everywhere. You strike me as the kind of person who goes to a coffee shop and notices each little piece on the wall. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I've definitely like taken notes like, who is this? I've never seen them before. You know, oh, wow. um, One of the places that I get to know artists that I'm not familiar with with the region every year is, is Roco's member show. You know, that's if you're a mm -hmm. member, you get to have a piece of art on the wall. And I get to know so many new new names and, and you know, styles that way. Um, but yeah, it, it, I feel like there's a lot of the labor and the work is done by um, individuals who just want to see it thrive. And they're supporting one another, whether they have a business or they're just an independent artist. And, um, you know, they, they create their own opportunities. So Rochester's definitely an arts town. Um, and, and I think that, you know, with so much push over, over time, we're starting to see um, uh, government entities on the city and, and county levels who are starting to say, OK, you know, well, if we want to claim it, we're going to we're going to pony up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get serious about it. Follow through. Yeah. Not just. Talk the talk. Talking to Rebecca Rafferty, an arts writer for City Magazine. As per usual, got a couple of pieces in this month's edition. Ryan Williamson, before I bring in our next guest on the phone, remind listeners kind of what the theme is of this current edition of City. Yeah, so we've been calling it internally kind of power couples, but it's, you know, pairings that aren't love related. They're maybe business pairings or um, platonic pairings of um, different different restaurants, um, you know, a group of an owner, a group of owners, two, three owners that come together to kind of bring different, uh, different visions or different skill sets to a business. So, an alternative look at love, pairing. Yeah, pair, pairing. Pairings. Yeah. Yeah. Partnerships. Yeah. Partnerships. Yeah. Um, and I want to bring in before I bring in Adam Scheffler, who's the co-owner of Golden Supply and Manufacturing. You want to tell me a little bit about. Adam Scheffler and, and what this story is about? 
Yeah, so um, Golden Supply is, um, I, I, I want to say retail, but I think they do a lot of custom work, um, kind of vintage looking pendants, um, clothing, custom, um, I think it's cross stitch or uh, stitching, uh, sewing, sewing work. Adam can describe that a little bit more, but I just, I love the vibe of um, the kind of workwear, vintage clothing and accessories. Um, I got to meet these guys at our city social two weeks ago now, last week maybe, um, and just talk about some of their partnerships with local um, groups, like running groups or photo groups, and they will make custom um, clothing and custom um, pieces that kind of help promote the brand or the group. Um, very cool dudes involved in the arts in the city as well. Um, yeah. Th three guys, uh, Eric Flores, Dalvin Porter, and with us now, Adam Scheffler. Hey, Adam, welcome. Thanks for being on the program. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much. Thank yeah. Well, why don't you describe um, what it is when people say, what is Golden Supply? What's the answer you give them? Uh, yeah, I mean, we uh, we specialize in, um, uh, we, we call ourselves the vintage keepers. Um, we manufacture um, old spirit Spirit nostalgia. So we specialize in pennants and banners, uh, custom clothing embellishments. Uh, um, like described before, we do chain stitch embroidery, um, and yeah, we kind of just use these different methods of screen printing and applique and chain stitch to kind of make stuff by hand, slowly one at a time, and bring some of that manufacturing stuff back to uh, back to our city. So, Adam, if I wanted to get Ryan Williamson for his birthday a better vintage Bills hat. He's wearing a Bill a Bills hat mm -hmm. that is corduroy, I think. Yep. Uh and it's I would it's fine. It's fine. I like actually I really <laughs> I actually really like it because it's old school. I didn't know where you got it. It's so I'm gonna segue real quick and give a shout out to another one of our stories in here. <laughs> um Figgy a new shop that opened on Park Ave. I actually bought it there this week when I was in there looking for something for Valentine's Day for my wife. And it's, it is, I like the, the reason I noticed it is I like this old school stuff. I'm looking yeah. at this going like, I would have worn that in the 90s, not a Bills one, probably a Browns one. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, so I don't know if this is like made new or if that's like an actual like of age vintage. I think this hat. is made new, but if that's why I really I dig Golden Supply because I don't think you have to like go on Etsy or you know eBay <laughs> and you can support local and go to their shop and find this vintage inspired clothing. Figgies looks really cool too, by the way. So yep. not surprising you got it there. Uh, and Golden Supply, I mean, you guys have well, what kind of clients do you have, Adam? What what is what's the client list look like over there for you? Well, um, you know. It's since there's there's three owners and then we've got a couple employees, so we you know it's one of us who are touching every single thing. It's we really focus on that slow manufacturing um, so that the quality shines through. Um, you know, if someone wanted to come get something, it's very easy to come find us. You know, word of mouth or or thanks to the city papers publication. You know, um, shine a little light, come to our shop downtown, um, and uh, you know it creates a unique shopping experience because you can see where everything's made. So, um, you know, we make stuff for people locally. Um, we do work with artists to try and bring their ideas to light. And we also, you know, work with a lot of, um, on a national level, work with creative agencies and, and other places that are looking to get stuff made. There was a story about you guys binge-watching Ghostbusters that I want you to tell. <laughs> okay, yeah, Ghostbusters. So, um, we had just gotten a very large contract for um chick-fil-a and they wanted these pennants that were um uh sewn felt applique so each pennant had 11 letters on it and they were trying to do a black friday release um which inevitably end up selling out but a 10,000 pennant order where each one has to be sewn uh it just takes there's so much prep and uh so many different pieces that go into that so we were, um, yeah, we would we were spending very long hours <laughs> trying to get these things done by deadline, and uh, yeah, I mean that was that happened to be how we spent our Halloween was uh, staying up really late watching all the Ghostbusters movies back to back. <laughs> yeah, um, and and one of your, your your first orders was for the Boston Marathon. 
Yeah, a company had um, reached out to us to do some. That was like one of our first uh, experiences in in large batch. You know, we we do small batch manufacturing, but we can also do very large numbers. Obviously, you know, like I mentioned with the ten thousand, but um, I think uh, with the Boston Marathon that we made smaller banners that were more of a handheld size. Um, you know, maybe the size of a sheet of paper, um, and we. <laughs> Uh, the same thing we were you know sewing around the clock cutting and printing around the clock and then um to meet the deadline it was uh you know we stayed up very very late and then uh, i ended up actually driving them out to boston just to make sure that they wow. hand delivered them to make sure they were there <laughs> on time yeah. wow uh we're talking to adam scheffler co-owner of golden supply and manufacturing who uh their story is uh, profiled in this month city magazine before i let you go i just want to ask you a little bit about the notion of of what is good and what is quality and we're in a world as you know of a lot of fast fashion we've talked about fast fashion um and not fast fashion I, I, slow fashion's a weird way of like contrasting it but the non-fast fashion for yeah. uh, on on climatological grounds on on all kinds of questions about waste and you know paying with the creators and labor how do you see the question of what is good and, and how long quality goods should last um you know we, we kind of focus on uh, one of our mottos is uh, spend more buy less so you know when when you're able to come into a place and you know it's it's made in the usa and the fabrics are um of a higher quality you know and again you come into a shop like ours where only five people have touched whatever it is you're ordering. You know, um, I think that the the products that you end up purchasing that are made in this fashion should be able to, you know, they should be staples that you should be able to have. We're, we're in the business of creating legacy pieces, so they, they should stand the test of time, honestly. I hope you, you plan to be there a long time. It sounds like it, Adam. Yeah, absolutely. Adam Scheffler's co-owner at Golden Supply and Manufacturing. Where do people find you? We are right around the corner from Jiva and Fuego. We're on that South Ave extension just before Vesper and Sidebar. How's that neighborhood doing, by the way? You know what? It's awesome. I also sit on the uh, Washington Square uh, Community Association, so there's big things happening. Plans to uh, clean up the park and make some changes there. And, uh, yeah, it's getting more exposure with a lot more cool businesses and things in the area and the skate park. So we're excited. Oh, the skate park, too. Yeah, but staying with the theme of the show, that neighborhood has got a great coffee shop. Every neighborhood yes, needs does. a beating heart coffee and or a hot drink shop. Uh, but there's a lot, a lot of great things happening in the city. Adam Scheffler, congratulations on what you guys are doing, and thanks for telling your story with us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Um, so they're over there at Golden Supply. That's just one of the many stories. We can't get to them all, Ryan Williams. What, what are we not getting to that people should know? Um, I know we briefly touched on the new MAG director that got oh, yeah, profile. yeah. yeah. But I think that's going to be a really important new figure in our community, and I think she's going to bring a lot, Sarah Jesse. Can can you tell us just a little bit about Sarah Jesse? Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm she's joining us at the end of this month, and I'm looking forward to getting to know her and have promised to wheel her around with uh, First Friday introductions, uh, help her help her see the the lay of the land here. Um, yeah, she is. Um, uh, really excited to dig into. Um, continuing the the trajectory that MAG and other museums are on, which is re-understanding their position within communities and not just um, having, um, you know, exhibits and programming and people showing up and trying to entice people to those, but, but going out and seeing what um, different communities and especially communities um, uh, populations that aren't necessarily historic, like museum goers, what are the roadblocks for them participating in um, museum culture and um, really, really going a step further to make sure that that uh, everyone in the community has a stake in what's happening at the museum. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to continue that conversation with her. She comes from a, a blue collar background and um, talks, you know, very excitedly about pivotal moments of connecting with art in her youth. And I think most people who work in museums have those very effervescent stories that they can tell. But she's I think she's the, the real deal. And, and she's going to do some some great work leading leading the mag. You're leaving the magazine at the end of this month. What are you going to miss most about City? Oh gosh, the team, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just so much fun putting our brains together and, um, 
coming up with the stories that aren't being told and the stories that we want to tell that we're excited about and um, and just having fun with it and and trying to, you know, I think that in the news media landscape, we're privileged to inject a whole lot of levity and a whole lot of valuing where there's there's a lot of, you know, harrowing things happening all the time. So we're we're privileged to have that fun and to to share the fun with everybody else. Congratulations on a remarkable career here. Thank you so much. And I know we're going to be in touch. Absolutely. As the Swedes say, this is good night and not goodbye to Rebecca Rafferty. Um, and I also want to close by saying, you know, it, it really does. This magazine always looks so great. I walk into places like Sanctuary and it pops when you see it there. And I hope the community just keeps in mind. When you see it in places like that, you can just pick it up and grab it and start reading. And that is a gift to this community. It is a real treasure. Um, Ryan, where do you want people to find it? Where, people still find it all, all around town. You can find it all around town. And, um, you know, just a, just a quick note that I am now overseeing circulation as well at City. So if you have trouble finding it or if you would like it, if you'd like to carry it at your shop, you can email me, Ryan, at rochester-citynews.com. We'll try to get it in as many places as possible. Ask City if you don't have it and you want it. But it's yep. just, it's so great to see it. I mean, I pop into places, people are reading it. It's just, it really does. It, it, it pops, it's wonderful. Thank you for being here, Ryan Williamson, Director yep. of Strategy and Operations for City. Happy birthday! Thanks. Ryan Williamson, go celebrate. Get a great cup of coffee or a ramen somewhere. You know where to go. Thanks to Leah Stacy, the Editor-in-Chief, and Rebecca Rafferty. We'll see you soon. See you soon. I know we will. <laughs> From the whole team at Connections, uh, thank you. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Megan Mack, Rob Braden, David Griffin, Evan Dawson. Just reminding you, if you're not a member of public radio, wxxi.org slash give. It's the final day of our winter membership campaign. Have a great weekend.